I'm looking at several things in Scripture today. We're looking in Matthew. We're looking in Second uh, Peter. Uh, our text today, though, is going to be in First Corinthians. You say, you're going to preach all those? If so, I'm leaving now. No, I'm not. Some of that will just be foundational for where we're going. I want to talk for a few minutes about what it is that you're sending on ahead. What are you sending ahead? When I go on a trip, I spend a lot of time trying to keep from taking as much as I can with me. Is anybody else like that? I, I like to be at the airport with nothing. You know, I like to be at the airport with a little small bag I can throw on my shoulder and I can run and I don't have to worry about waiting in lines. And all that. How many of y'all, have, don't point at them, but how many of you have to travel with somebody that has to take 37 suitcases for the just-in-case situation? I would suggest to you, men and women alike, get you a hairdo like mine. This is the most freeing thing I've ever done. I haven't had a comb, shampoo, a hair dryer in, I guess, probably 15 years. And when I want, I roll the window down in the truck, and man, the wind just blows through my hair. And when I get done going, get out to go where I'm going, it hasn't messed it up at all. But now, the difference between Deb and I is that she has a few clothes and she has a few shoes. Amen. And she takes them with us on a trip. So I have a little bitty bag. But now we just went on a trip the last few days and she didn't take very much. I was proud of her. But here's the thing. She has, she has things like shoes and clothing and makeup and all the things that make her so beautiful. I thought about the other day. I thought, here's how this works. I travel with a model. She travels with a troll. So I'm always beaming proud. And she's always, remember the old shirt, with stupid. (laughs) And we're both happy. Years ago, she and I saw something, though, that was the most amazing illustration I've ever seen in my life. And we were, we were traveling, we're driving down the road, and I said to her, quickly, you got to grab the, this was still back in the days we had a video camera, not the phone. I said, you got to get the video camera, get this. And she picked up the video camera, and I sped up to get up next to it. Jerry, it was a hearse family car towing a U-Haul trailer. I said, we got a video that there's somebody that's trying to take it with them when they go. They haven't figured out yet that you can't take anything with you when you go. And we spend our lives trying to amass things that as soon as we are gone are either going to someone else, maybe who we didn't even like. Or someone might look at those things that you worked so hard and spent so many hours away from your family to get and say, well, this is of no value, and throw it in a trash. I wonder what folks will do with our stuff when we're gone. What are they going to do with your stuff when you're gone? What a value 
are you going to leave to someone else? You know, uh, back in 2007 when the church burned, my office was in the building that burned. And fortunately, not everything in my office burned, but a lot of the things did. And I had a stereo in there, guys. And then, you know, I, I'll just tell you how old I am. I graduated from high school in 1981. And my mom and dad got me this stereo, uh, portable stereo, for graduation. And it was a boombox. You remember? And the boombox went through the fire, and it got smoked up and melted a little bit. But I kept it, and I threw it in the box full of other burnt stuff that I should have probably thrown away a long time ago. And I told Deb yesterday, just out of the clear blue, I said, you know that old boombox mom and dad gave me back in 1981? It was all burnt up and stinks, smells like smoke, and don't even work anymore. One of the most valuable things I have. What? Because they gave it to me. It's important to me. More valuable to me than a lot of the other things that I'm blessed to have, but they don't mean as much. Time has a way of changing your priorities and your perspective. And men and women, if you're not careful, you can spend the best years of your life working for things that you'll realize later on didn't matter. You'll look back and you'll say, well, I have all this stuff, but I don't have much of a relationship with my children. I have all this stuff, but my wife won't talk to me. I'm wondering what is it that we can send ahead because the hearse towing the trailer full of all the stuff that's important to you is not going to be able to make it from here to there. And the bottom line is this. You can't take anything with you when you go. But the good news is, you can send some things on ahead. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. What are the things that we can send on ahead? Jesus instructed on this subject when he said in Matthew 6, 19, stop storing up treasures for yourselves on earth where moths and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up treasures for yourself in heaven where moths and rust don't destroy, thieves don't break in and steal. And he went on to say, your heart will be where your treasure is. What is in your heart? What do you treasure? Your heart, your motives, your desires, those are the things that are going to attest to what's important to you. And they'll determine what's in heaven waiting for you when you arrive. And the other thing you need to understand is that anything you don't send on ahead is in for the same unhappy destiny. You say, yeah, I know the Bible just said it's going to rust or be stolen. Well, it's going to be even worse than that. If you look at Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. The Bible says the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And on that day, heaven and earth will pass away with a roaring sound. And everything that makes up the universe, everything that makes up the universe will burn and be destroyed. The earth and everything that people have done on it will be exposed. 
Verse 11, all these things will be destroyed in this way. So think of the kind of holy and godly lives you must live as you look forward to the day of God and eagerly wait for it to come. When that day comes, heaven will be on fire and will be destroyed. Not heaven where we're going, but heavens and the earth. And everything that makes up the universe again will burn and melt. Rick Renner, one of my favorites. He says this about this verse. He said, absolutely nothing will survive the transforming, purifying fire that will melt everything. It will be a fire so fervent that every element and particle will dissolve. You ever thought about that? A fire so fervent that it'll burn up all the rocks. and Everything that we thought we couldn't burn, guys, that we spent time when we were kids building fires trying to burn and couldn't will burn one day. 13 says, but we look forward to what God has promised, a new heaven and a new earth, a place where everything that has God's approval lives. Amen? And in that new place that God's preparing for us, I believe we're going to be given back what we sent ahead. I believe that when we get there, it will be waiting, stockpiled ahead. So I want you now to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. It's our text. This is Paul addressing the matter in a little bit more detail. Paul's given us this information in this fashion. He says, we are God's co-workers. And you're God's field. You are God's building. You are God's building. As a skilled and experienced builder, I used the gift that God gave me to lay the foundation for that building. However, someone else is building on it. Each person must be careful how he builds on it. It's been started. The foundation is laid. Jesus is the foundation, but now it's up to you as the person who is living there to be the one that determines what your building is going to look like what it's going to be built out of. After all, verse 11, no one can lay any other foundation than the one that's already laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, people may build on this foundation, and then he talks about what they're going to build on the foundation with. And I don't think that he's talking physically. I think he's trying to paint a picture here about things that are perishable in our minds and things that aren't. So he said... People are going to build on the foundation, Jesus the foundation, and I'm, I'm God's work, I'm his building. Now I am choosing what I am going to build me with. Am I going to build me there in verse 12 with gold, silver, or precious stones, or with wood, hay, or straw? Some of your passages say stubble. And the day will make what each one does clearly visible because fire will reveal it. That fire will determine what kind of work each person has done. If that person, if what a person has built survives, if it survives, he will receive a reward. But, for 15, if his work is burned up, he'll suffer the loss. However, he'll be saved, though it will be like going through a fire. Don't you know that you're God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. So what's this saying? Just boil us down. Saying if you build your life on the foundation of Jesus and you lo- and you and you choose to use imperishable materials, 
he equates to gold, silver, precious stones. Then your stuff is going to make it through the fire. And it's a purging fire. This is not hell. This is a purging fire that will determine what you've done is a value and what of it is going to last. So if you chose to use imperishable things, then when that purging fire comes, you'll be left standing there with whatever you chose to build with. But if you were the foolish person who chose to build with wood, hay, or straw, guess what you're going to be standing with after the purging fire has done its job? Just, just the bare amount, just the bare minimum, just the limited. Here's that person that, that, that you heard him, you've ever heard, hear somebody say, I just want to get to heaven, I don't care how I get there. If I just get there by the skin of my teeth. Well, that's that person who got there by the skin of their teeth. When everyone else is standing over here, not proud, but they're standing here with the things they sent ahead, and someone else is standing over here just skinny and frail and bare. You say, well, we all got to heaven. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be some celebrations in heaven that are, that are going to cause every person there to want to have something to contribute. You'll see in a minute what I'm talking about. It goes like this. If, if you love things here, you're going to lose them, no question. It, the scripture even talks about your life. If you love your life above allowing Christ to live in you, if you choose yourself over him, even that's going to burn. Everything that can be burned is going to burn. Now, here's something I want to say before I get on into this, and it's this. I believe that it's okay that God intended for us to enjoy his creation. There's not anything wrong with you enjoying the things that God allows you to have. If you have material things, praise the Lord. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? I'm not, I'm not standing up here preaching against somebody having a nice car or a nice house or nice clothing. That's awesome. That's great. Especially if you're using those things for the glory of God and his kingdom. If you're sharing those things, if you're using those things for the kingdom. This is all about motive here. There's a lot of people that are wealthy that are using that wealth because God's given it to them and they're using it the right way to further his kingdom. There's other people who are wealthy. They got that way by being greedy and they're going to lose every bit of it when they're gone. That's the difference. What are the things, though, that since we can't take anything with us, what are the things that we can send on ahead? I think the first one is this, very simple, very basic. This is what you can send on ahead and will be waiting there for you when you get there. Number one, your love for God and for his people. I add those together because I think they're, they're, they, they're one and the same. I don't think that you can love God and not love his people. I don't think you can love his people and not love him. Some people that say, well, I love God, but, but every, it's every dog for himself. That, doesn't, that phraseology doesn't work because every person that loves the Father will love what the Father loves and will love doing what the Father loves doing and will love what the Father is about. And the Father is what? About giving. Sharing, loving, helping, doing, being. 
our God is an active God. And every adjective almost that we use to describe him is really a verb. Put an I-N-G on almost everything about our Father that we're aspiring to be like. So I believe that a person who truly loves God will love God's people, which is everybody. Doesn't matter where they're from, what they look like, what language they speak, that doesn't matter. If, if you love God and the love of God is in you, you will love all of God's children, no matter where they are. And you will want the best for them. If you have the love of God in you, you would not, you cannot even fathom wanting to hurt another person. If you love, if you truly love God the way God loves you, you will want to put other people ahead of yourself. You'll prefer others over yourself. That's the difference between the person that has a lot that is blessed by God or the person that has a lot because they are greedy. The person who has a lot because God has blessed them has that because God has found that they are a, a, a source that he can pour through. This one over here, God's like, well, yeah, you know, here, here's what people don't understand. God's laws work for everyone on the earth. The law of the harvest works for everybody. If you plant a seed, you grow a crop. A person that works hard can attain a lot of things in this, on this planet, whether they're a Christian or not. Did you know that? You, 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 can, you can amass a lot of things on this planet. The bottom line, though, is this. The one who amassed those things out of their love and motive for serving the Lord, they're not going to get to keep them any more than this one over here, but they get to do a lot of good things with them while they're here, enjoy them, leave them to someone that will do the right thing with, and then they move on. But the love that motivated them will go on. Over here, it's just stuff that their kids and their grandkids fight over until it burns. Your love... For God and for his people is something that you are sending on ahead. Because God takes notice that you loved him. Because he loved us so much, what? He sent his son. So anytime one of us love his son as much as he loved us, we love his son enough to invite him into our heart, God takes notice. He said, ooh, I take note of that kind of love. And then Jesus went on to say, if you love me and you love my father, then you'll keep his commandments. So now you've got God watching you and he's saying, here's a person that truly loves me. I can tell by the motive they have, by the desires they have, by the actions that they commit, by who they are, what they do, and, and who they minister to, yes, Let's take note of that. The love for God and the love for his people is something you can send on ahead. Can't take anything with you when you go, but you can send that on ahead. Number two, you can send ahead your praise for God because that will continue throughout eternity. You know that whenever you come to services like this and you stand up and you, you pray or you praise and you sing, you know that heaven's taken note of how you respond and not just in a service, but your life as worship. Heaven's taken notice. If, if the only time that you ever praise or worship is just because it's on a service schedule and everybody else is doing it and you're just trying to sing along, God's taken note of that. A person who truly worships God and praises God will do so every day of their life with about every action of their life. 
They wake up in the morning, what? They wake up in the morning, they're thinking about, man, I just want to, I want to bring praise to God. I want to live my life in a way that's going to bring praise to him and to his kingdom. Do you ever pray? I pray that prayer all the time. God, today, help me. Help me to live my life in such a way that I bring glory to your kingdom and never disgrace. Don't ever let me, don't ever let me be a distraction to your kingdom. But help me live in such a way that when people look into my eyes, they're going to see Jesus. When they talk to me, they're going to hear his voice. Let me be his hands and his feet. Let me be him operating on the earth. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying I'm good for that. I'm just saying that's my prayer. Does it happen every day? Well, I don't know. Some days I forget to pray. Sometimes some people tell you, no, I don't think he prayed it today. Not from the way he's acting. I don't think he prayed that today. I think he missed it. But that's the motive. That's the goal. I recognize that, that the way I am living my life is bringing praise to God, not just whenever somebody gets up here with a mic and starts singing and I sing with them. The praise that you have for God is going to continue throughout eternity. So don't you think he's keeping track of how you're doing it here? You're, you're, our goal, you know what we're going to do when we get to heaven? We're going, to, we're going to do a lot of different things. But initially, man, we're going to have a major worship service, it sounds like. And God has created angels that they, they surround him all the time and they worship and they praise him and they sing. But, and that was good, but he created us because he wanted to have a being that did that out of their own free will, not because they were created to do so. That's why, did you know that's why we were created? Angels were created to worship him, and they do. We were created to worship out of free choice. So God is constantly looking over the earth to find people who have a pure heart that are worshiping him with, in spirit and in truth, with their mouth, with their head, with their heart. They're worshiping him in every way with their life. And God is saying, let's take note of that. That's going to precede them. That's what we want in the kingdom after the earth is over. We want worshipers here, so let's make sure we're taking note that we make sure this worshiper gets here. Sending it on ahead. He's taken note of my motive, which is my love. He's taken note of my worship. Thirdly, your work for God that resulted in other people being in heaven. That's something you can send on ahead. Your work for God. You say, well, you know, I thought we were saved by our faith. You are saved by your faith. You're not saved by your works. You're saved by your faith. I understand all that. But if you have been saved for more than five minutes, your works ought to start showing up. Because faith without works is what? Dead. How can I work for him? There's a lot of ways to work for God. There's so many things. There are so many things that you think... It all goes back a motive again, Jerry, but there's so many things that you don't even think anything about that could make any, be making a huge difference. Just that person that you come in contact with tomorrow who notices a genuine smile from you. You don't know who you're going to encounter. The words you speak to someone, the smile you give to someone, the encouragement that you give to someone, you could be encouraging someone that that may have been on the verge of ending it all because they thought nobody cared about them. They thought nobody loved them. There's so many ways to do this. I mean, I, I, I I can't stand up here and list all the different ways. Just small little actions on your part.
I'll tell you something that, that, and I don't say this to manipulate, but I'll tell you something that, that heaven takes note of. Last Sunday night, all you folks showing up over in the gym, putting together hundreds of meals for people in this area for Thanksgiving that wouldn't have had it otherwise. You gave of your time. Guess what? It cost you one hour. And it was fun, wasn't it? But what you did, I love what Jimmy said is the director of Live Source. He said, I like to look at it this way. Every can of corn that you touched, every can of green beans that you touched was an expression of your love to the family. That's what I'm talking about. Things like this, this Friday or this Thursday or Friday. I'm trying to remember which day it is. Some of you will correct me in a minute, but the great gift exchange that we get involved with every year through Pastor Angie and through uh, Ron Harris. The great gift exchange, it provides thousands of gifts for children that wouldn't get. You say, well, that's not what Christmas is all about. Let me tell you something. If you're a little kid and you don't get a gift for Christmas, that's rough. I know giving gifts at Christmas isn't, all, isn't what Christmas is all about, but I'll tell you something. If you want to share the love of Jesus with some little child at Christmas, give them a gift and tell them Jesus loves them. They'll associate that. Jesus loves you. So do we. We want to make sure you had something this year at Christmas. There's so many things that you can do where that you can show, you can exhibit your work for God. I'm not talking about preaching on a corner. I'm talking about day-to-day living and working for the Lord, doing things for God. And the fourth one is your zeal for God. Here's how that one works. Zeal for God is what keeps you faithful through persecution and tribulation. And though we don't face near as much of it in this country as our brothers and sisters do all in other places around the world, it's still being kept notice of. It's still being noticed. Some of our brothers and sisters are dying for their faith just because they believe what you believe. Just because they love Jesus the way you love Jesus. They're they're giving their lives for that. And we don't face that kind of persecution, that kind of that kind of temptation. But I'll tell you something. There's a special place in heaven for people that are willing to show their zeal in spite of what it will cost them. And if it costs them their life, they're receiving a special reward. And here's the result of these things. I was looking at this this week. The scripture talks about crowns that are going to be given. Crowns of righteousness, crowns of life, crowns of glory. They're going to be rewarded to the people that are deserving. You know how you get those crowns? You have to go, I'd have to go back and do a whole lot of study with you. And I'm not, I don't have time to do all that right now. But you, people that give their life for the cause of Christ receive a crown of life. And there's a crown of righteousness, a crown of glory. All these things are given for different things, different reasons Crowns are dispensed. You say, well, I'm not going to heaven to get a crown. Well, here's why it's going to matter. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Someday when we are standing around the throne room and the lamb is being worshipped, the scripture says we are going to take our crowns and we're going to cast them at his feet. I want to have crowns to cast at his feet. I don't want to be the guy over here that got him by the skin of his teeth and he's standing in the back and we're all worshiping and he's trying to enter in, but he don't have anything, he don't have anything to give. Because he spent his whole life, his reward was here and it burned up. He got his reward here, but it burned up. 
He's there just standing there watching. And over here's a group of people that sacrificed and they sent ahead their love and their works and their zeal. They sent ahead those things and it resulted in the giving of crowns. And now when the worship service begins and people start throwing crowns at the feet of Jesus, I want to be that guy that, man, I'm standing up there and I'm like, ching, ching, ching. Don't you? I want to have something to offer. I want to have something to be able to give. Will it matter? Ah, Jesus doesn't need those crowns. It's the thought, it's the motive. It's my heart, me being able to say, Lord, I loved you. I sacrificed for you. I, I lived for you, and it wasn't to get crowns. It was so I could get here to see you and worship you on this day. And if this is the way we're going to do it, then I'm glad I got something to throw at your feet. We can't take our clothing, our homes, and our cars. We can't take statues of ourselves with us when we go to heaven. But we can send some valuable things ahead that won't burn. I know we all sat down probably a couple of days ago and we reflected on the things that we were thankful for. But I wonder how many of us, when we were thinking of what we were thankful for, thought of these things that I'm talking about today. Things that we were sending ahead. Most of it was, I'm thankful for the turkey. I'm thankful for, man, I'll tell you, Deb makes this peanut butter chocolate pie with whipped cream. It's amazing. I'm thankful for that pie. And I'm convinced they're going to have that in heaven. If they don't, I'm going to be so disappointed. It's amazing. I love that. I love it even over birthday cake. When the, the last couple of years, what, what kind of cake you want for your birthday? I want that peanut butter chocolate pie. But when we're sitting around thinking about what we're thankful for, how many of us got past, which it's great that you were thankful for. I'm, I'm thankful for my family. I'm, I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my for all I'm thankful. But how many of us got to the point that we said at some point in that thankfulness? And I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that Jesus loved me enough to instill a love in me, causes me to love others. Man, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that God has given me a purpose in life so that I can work for him. I'm so thankful that he gives me the zeal to stand for him whenever things are tough. I'm, I'm just so grateful. See, that's what I'm talking about. Those are the things that are going to last. I'll close with this and we have a word of prayer. In 1860, there was a ship that went aground on the shore of Lake Michigan near Evanston, Illinois. There was a fellow on, uh, named Edward Spencer. He was a ministerial student. And he waded into the frigid waters over and over again. And in his attempt to help, he rescued 17 of those passengers, saved their lives. Years later, when he passed away, and by the way, he had permanently damaged his health by risking his life 17 times for those people. It was noted at his funeral that not one of those 17 ever thanked him for what he did. He risked it all permanently damaged his own health, and then later on died. And they thought it was sad that none of the people had ever thanked him. And as sad as that may seem, here's what I would submit to you. The work and the heart and the motivation of love, that wasn't forgotten. He sent all of that on ahead 
where it was laid up in the forms of someday, hopefully crowns, to throw at the feet of Jesus. And rewards are coming on judgment day for him just as they are for you and I. One of these days, we're going to stand before the Lord and he's first of all going to look to see if our name is written, right, in the Lamb's Book of Life. And once we get past that, you say, oh, it's done. It's not done. Once we get past that, we've established, okay, you're in. But now, strike up the match and let's see what was sent on ahead. What are you thankful for? What are you doing with your life? How many good, young, responsible men are beating their head against the wall every day to lay up stores on earth when they could be laying up treasures in heaven? What are you doing with your time? What does your day look like? How much of your day do you reserve for yourself? Or how much of it do you give to your father, to his work, and to his people? What does your bank log look like? Can we tell in heaven what was important to you by where your money went? Oh yeah, there's no question. Although we got to pay we got to pay rent and electric bill and gas. I know we got to pay all that. How sad will it be though if we stand up in one day in heaven, they roll out the financial records on your life and they got just scrolls of Walmart. And over here is $2.50 that went for the cause of Christ. That's all. That's all. That's all going ahead of you. They look at the time and they say, well, every day she had plenty of time. She sat and she drank coffee. She read. She did what she wanted to do because that was important to her. Let's see what she did for the Lord. Oh, well, every once in a while it looks like she went to church. But she didn't do anything above on Sunday. She didn't use her time or her talent or her ability to work for him looks like she just did what she had to do to get herself through life happy but over here we don't see anything that she did to make somebody else's life better this side of the docket is what is going to do you good there that side of the docket is gone it's burned this side of the docket is what you are laying up, sending ahead. What are they? Your love, your praise, your work, and your zeal for God and for His people. That's what's going to matter. Lord, I ask you today if you would help us as we examine our hearts, as we examine our lives. In light of your word today, what are we laying up 
what are we sending ahead? What are we doing that will result in crowns that can be cast at your feet? Today, God, help us, I pray, as we examine our hearts truthfully and then set about to crucify our own flesh. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Help me, Lord, I pray. As difficult as it may be, help me, I pray, to be generous with my time, my talent, and my treasure in regards to your kingdom. That I will place your kingdom, God, above my own. That I will place your priorities ahead of mine. Give me the opportunity, I pray, this week to be a blessing to someone, to make a difference in someone's life. Give me a chance, Lord, to start sending something ahead and to stop trying so hard to protect those things that are inevitably going to be left behind. Help me, I pray in Jesus' name, as you clear my priorities and my focus. Open myself to that. I open myself, Lord to your word and to those thoughts. In Jesus' name. In this final song, I want you to find your notes, bring them with you to these altars or to the front seats or right there where you're sitting, however you feel led to do this. I want you to spend some time asking the Holy Spirit where in this do you want to work in me some of you for the first the first place that has to start is your commitment to Christ because some of you may have never surrendered your life to Christ you may have never given your heart to Christ you may have never asked him to come into your heart and to forgive you of your sins that's the first place to start if you've never done that all this other stuff ta- takes place after that the word says that that spiritual things are foolish to people who don't know Christ because they don't understand so there'd be no reason there's no reason for you to try to other than the fact of just being a good human being which you ought to be anyway but other, apart from that your works are your works I mean sure the Lord notices but unless you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior You're not going to heaven. But as soon as you've done that, then you start applying all of these other things in your daily life to lay things up in store. So I want us to start right there. That person that would say, you know, I've never asked Jesus to come to my heart. I want you to do that today. I don't want you to, especially if the Lord's tugging on your heart, you're being convicted. Don't, don't ignore that conviction. It's a very simple thing. If you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the scripture says all you have to do is just say, just repent of your sins. You you repent, you believe he's who he said he was, and then you repent of your sins. Repentance sounds like this. Lord, I'm sorry. I want to live for you. Forgive me for my past. From this moment forward, I belong to you. Forgive me for my sins. That's it. And if you mean it, the scripture says, then your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you become one of his children. Pray that prayer. If you never have today, pray that prayer 
and then let one of us know that you did. And then everybody else, let's all spend a few minutes asking the Lord to tell us what he wants us to do with this word today. How should it affect me? What do you want to change in me? Can we do it? Shelly will lead us. I want all of you, if you would, come find yourself a place. Let's pray.